really tired of those. But uh, as, as a lot of you know, about uh, three weeks ago, um, my wife woke me up at six in the morning and, and said, uh, I think we're going to the ER. And so we headed over to the hospital and uh, actually got in really fast early morning. I guess they'd already finished all the night stuff and uh, got in quickly. And this guy came through the door like a minute later. And I'm like, oh, I wonder who he is. Obviously not a doctor because we've only been here a minute. Well, it was a physician. And, uh, and he took a look and he said, well, I think we got to figure out what's going on. Uh, let's do a CT scan. Now, we've been in this for a lot of years with some medical problems. And generally now we're trying to avoid, you know, lots of tests and stuff. But it was like, all right, you can do that. But inside we're thinking, I can tell you what it's going to, it's not going to show anything. Because this is the trend. And we've been through this many times now. You're going to look and you're going to say, wow, everything looks okay. We don't understand. And we could actually say, there won't be anything on it. And here's what you're going to need to do. You're going to need to check her in. She's going to be here four or five days. You need to take her off food, take her off fluids, put her on some IVs, let her sit and watch TV for a few days, come back and check her. And after a couple days of pudding and soup, she can go home. And this is, what, this is how it works. We know the routine. So anyway, we've had the CT scan. She comes back and he's like, hey, you have appendicitis. So later today, I'll send you upstairs. Uh, surgeon will see you. You'll take your appendix out and you'll go home tomorrow. And we're like, awesome. <laughs> so we go upstairs and the, uh, after a while, you know, there's always waiting. But still, a pretty compared to what we're thinking, you know, this is a weak investment here. And the surgeon comes in, he goes over, all right, so here's what the scan showed, and here's what I'm going to do. And he had an intern with him, and uh, here's what we're going to do. And he's like, so what would you like to know about the risks involved with this? And uh, I I almost laughed out loud. I'm like, ha, just do it. Take her now. It's all yours. Really don't care. And I'm sure he was... Uh, in fact, he did. He looked like a little startled, like, I'm not sure how to take that, but great, you know, because he's busy, and he's like, that, great, uh, save me time because I'm going to practice on someone else first. Literally, he said that. I know how to do this, and I'm going to go practice on someone else first. So, you know, it, it struck me right after we said, just easily, like, yeah, surgery, right now, come on, bring it on, we'll do it, is that that is actually pretty unusual, that uh, when we are faced with decisions that involve our personal safety, actually those decisions are, are pretty difficult for us. I mean, they're, they're a little bit trying. And they come at us so often. The truth is, when you think about it, you're faced with it probably on a daily basis. So many decisions that you have to make about your personal safety or the safety of your family. Very, 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 very sad. And of course, you have seen the news. More school shootings. And so here you are, parenting. Parenting is basically safety management officers. That's, that's what parenting often comes down to. So you know, you've got all these questions. Should, the kid, should my kids go to school? 
Should they even go to school? Can they play in the yard? Can they play at a friend's house? Do we know who's the friend's, who, who the friend is? Do we know the friend's parents? Do we have to know the parents? I don't know. Maybe we should know the parents. Not sure if we know them. Should they go to church? Can they go to that activity? Is it safe? Can we put them down in front of a TV? Can you turn the TV on and leave the room anymore? Can, can you... Uh, how about a middle schooler? Is it safer for my middle schooler to have a phone or to not have a phone? Huh? I mean, that's not easy to figure out. And so parenting, there's all these decisions that involve safety. Have you heard? Uh, you know, of course, there was Target, and there was Michaels, and there was eBay. So there, there's all of these security breaches, right? And what was the one most recently? <laughs> one of the companies that's supposed to take care of you and track your credit, <laughs> right? And, and, and protect you and alert you when there's a problem, <laughs> with your uh, ID and, and your uh, credit ratings and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, so it's coming at us all the time, more and more security breaches. You know, where is it okay to put down my ID or my credit card or my debit card or whatever I have with my name on it, with some number that's attached to my... Is it safe here? Can I do it at a restaurant? How about a store? How about online? I don't know. It's tough to figure out. Finances is another area. Is this investment safe? Is my retirement safe? Is my money safe? And on and on it goes. More news stories. Did you hear uh, a local, this has been a little bit ways back, a a hospital, a a regional local hospital uh, exposed hundreds of people to hepatitis. So they went to the hospital to get better and they were exposed to something, many of them maybe worse than what they went there with. So that's happening. Did you hear that last week GM recalled another 3 million vehicles and that they're having to set aside like three quarters of a billion dollars to just fix their cars this year that they already sold? It's amazing. And so we've got, you know, hospitals and cars. And is it safe to go to the doctor? Is it safe to go to a hospital? Is it safe to eat the food from, well, I shouldn't name names. Anyway, is it is, is your hobby safe? Is your job safe? Is your workplace safe? Is your, are your, is your meds safe? You know, don't you find it astounding that, that any pharmaceutical company anymore thinks that an advertisement is a good idea with, with what they're made to say about the pill? You know, like, hey, this will kill you, but you sure will feel better for a little while. You know, it's just like, it's amazing. Anyway, is, is all that safe? Did you hear that... that Facebook is now going to sell more of your information and track you more than ever before. Isn't that great news? Don't they realize that even in a private, personal, face-to-face, like a real conversation, it's hard enough for us to figure out how much of ourselves to share with someone? And here we are. But if you do it online, they'll sell it to the highest bidder. And on and on it goes. There are so many decisions that come our way. And they're so difficult. And I think it's because there's uncertainty, there are things that are out of our control, and so many of these issues are just emotionally charged for us. They're very difficult. So what's the Bible say? What's the Bible say about sending your kid to the park or to a friend's house? Well, of course, it doesn't say anything, but it does help us think through some things. And what I want to talk about tonight are some, some ideas, some things that maybe we should resolve before we get to those questions. Things that are going to help us come up with better decisions. And so here I've got three tonight, questions to ask yourself before you make a decision. The first one is, am I trusting God? Am I trusting God? The first one is, my computer's a little hard of hearing. 
Am I trusting God? Now, I know what you're thinking. First of all, you're thinking, well, that's not very unique. Every sermon seems to be about faith. And I will just take that as a good sign. If you could think of how every sermon you hear here is, is about prompting you to trust God, that's actually probably a good thing. Not a, not a novel idea, I realize. But there is a unique aspect to faith here tonight for us, and that is when, when uh, we're thinking about whether or not we're safe or, or our kids are safe or, or something, oftentimes there's fear attached to that. And faith, of course, is God's antidote to fear. Now, fear is a natural human emotion that God designed us with this sort of instinctive kind of thing that we, we fear dangerous things, and sometimes that protects us. But it's a little bit like uh, fire, I suppose you could say, something that has to be under control to be useful. Because when it's just, you know, out, unbridled fear that, that takes charge, oh, that is just dangerous stuff, just like fire that's on its own, you know, deciding where it goes. Decisions that are driven only by fear tend to be poor decisions. Several uh, years back, I was uh, working, uh, talking with a couple, and um, it's been a long time ago. And uh, the story went like this, uh, the pattern actually. Um, she'd, she'd go to the store, for example, in the evening, uh, and then it got to be the time when the husband uh, expected her to be back, and she wasn't back yet. And so these things start going on in his mind and in his emotions, and he starts to fear for her safety, okay? Not back when I thought she would be. He begins to fear about her truthfulness. Maybe she's not really at the store. He begins to fear about the health of their relationship, and the fears just keep going and going and going, and they grow bigger until he launches himself from the place of these fears into this series of decisions and actions that, quite frankly, well, if I did them, she would have me arrested for stalking her, right? But, but this is someone who she's supposed to trust, and he's supposed to trust her. And, and these actions that he takes, you know, with their phone and following and checking up and all this kind of stuff, it has just, well, it has no chance. It has no chance of alleviating his fears, and it has tremendous potential for damaging that relationship even farther. Fear can compromise our ability to make good decisions in so many different ways. One of those would be because fear is a really strong emotion. So imagine this, you're, you're going to make a decision that involves some aspect of safety, and imagine that your, your decision-making is like having a little committee meeting, you know? You've got different voices in your life that you're gathered around your table. You know, who are you inviting to your decision-making table? And you could think of it this way, there's a lot of different voices there, but, but fear is the one that's, that's like a person in a committee who, who whines a lot and cries and has a tantrum and demands their way, and you know, that's, what, that's what a strong emotion is like. They show up at the, at the round table, and they want their way, and they make a lot of noise. That's what fear is like. But of course, decisions need to be guided by more than one voice, more than one emotion. Proverbs 3 says, uh, Solomon's writing to his son, he says, my son, do not let wisdom and understanding out of your sight preserve sound judgment and discretion. There will be life for you, an ornament to grace your neck. He goes on. Then you will go on your way in safety, and your foot will not stumble. 
When you lie down, you will not be afraid. When you lie down, your sleep will be sweet. I love it when my sleep is sweet. Don't you love that? That's just like one of the greatest things when you have sweet sleep and slumber. And here, Solomon's basically saying, look at, the, look at the sequence. You need the voice of wisdom in your life, and you need to listen carefully to all those different angles, and then you'll be in a place where you can show discretion, where you can begin to make decisions, and those good decisions will take you to a place where fear subsides and that voice is quieted. Great place to start. Now, fear also kind of promotes other things in our lives. For instance, uh, a desire for control. Lots of times, you know, when we're afraid, we, we just feel instinctively like the thing to do is just get total control of that situation. Now, of course, there are many times in life where we need to act and we need to be assertive. We need to figure things out. We need to do something. But just remember always that control belongs to God. When we think that we can actually get totally control of something, we're fooling ourselves. Second Samuel 22, Who is God besides the Lord? And who is the rock except our God? It is God who arms me with strength and keeps my way secure. I'm going to have some responsibility here, but I need to understand that, that God is the one in control, not me. He is the one who gives peace and grants peace. Not my structuring of my life and my seizing control of everything. It's another thing that fear does, and that is fear is a very self-protective thing. And again, we've talked about how in a way there's something legitimate about that, our sort of fight-or-flight instinct, and, and God puts some of that in there. But it's not an absolute value. It's not. The core of following Christ is something different. Jesus said, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it, but whoever loses their life for me will find it. See, it's not an absolute value. Even Jesus said, I'm calling you to a risky place, to a place where you will give up yourself to gain something better, to actually get your life back. So fear can cause us to go in lots of uh, sideways directions with our decisions. The answer, of course, in the Bible is faith. Faith is the answer to that out-of-control kind of fear. This is a great, great passage. Imagine this. It says, God is our refuge. Imagine if you were able to say this. God is our refuge and strength, an ever-present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear... Though the earth give way and the mountains fall into the heart of the sea. Don't you love that? We will not fear because nothing will come to us. No, we will not fear even though the earth give way and the mountains fall into the heart of the sea. Though its waters roar and foam and the mountains quake with their surging. What a great testimony. Do you see what the people of God are able to say when they trust Him? We see that again in, in Psalm 112. Another fabulous passage. Surely the righteous will never be shaken. They will be remembered forever. They'll have no fear of bad news. See that? Because it never comes. No, no. They know some bad news will come. They, don't, they just don't fear it. Their hearts are steadfast. That's why they don't fear it. Because they trust in the Lord. That's why they don't fear the bad news. Their hearts are secure. They'll have no fear. In the end, they will look in triumph. 
on their foes. What a, what a great thing that is. And notice, it's trusting God, and it's trusting God Himself. It's trusting who He is. That's what we're trusting God. We're trusting, for example, that He is King. God is King. He is our protector. And He will defend us. He'll keep us many, many times from, from much harm. He is Father. We're trusting Him to be Father. That is, He has many, many purposes in our lives, things that are going on even when we do experience pain. And that He's a Redeemer. Even when something has been seemingly died or been destroyed, He he transforms the damage and He brings things to life. He's a Redeemer. See, he's He's a King. We can trust Him to be a King because sometimes He shows up and what He says is, no, no, the thing that you thought was so certain that five days in the hospital, got a little surprise for you. How about one day? Little operation, go home tomorrow. And he protects us. He's a a king. He's a warrior. He protects us from things. Sometimes that's how he shows up. Sometimes we realize that what we experience, he's being a father. That he has greater purposes for us, even when we experience pain. One of the the first people that we saw in the ER three weeks ago was a, a nurse, and I can't even remember how it unfolded. He was not in the room very long, but, but within a, a couple minutes, he's saying, yeah, actually, my spiritual journey is kind of in a tough spot. I'm actually kind of trying to figure out whether maybe, maybe we created God instead of God creating us. And he's like, I'm really troubled, and, I'm, and you know what he means. He doesn't mean we were creators. He just means maybe we made him up, not that he created us. And, and he's like, and so I'm, I'm struggling with that. And, and it's brief, and you know, I'll have time. He's got to go. He gets a page, you know. And I'm like, hey, you know, uh, remember the name Lee Strobel and see if you could. He walked that same journey, and he, tried, he was confused. Maybe, you know, that's all I could do is like, here's a name. Just try and remember that. Maybe look him up. Somebody who'd walked that same journey and come out on the place of trusting God. And and later, Melanie said, I'm so glad he came in. Like, first thing, because she's like, that reminded me that that 24 hours was more than just fixing my appendix. (laughs) They didn't fix it, by the way. It was totaled. It was gone. But anyway, she's like, "It, it was more than about my pain. God has more purposes for us than that. She's like, it was so helpful for me. Then as she had this just line of people coming through a room that she could talk to for 24 hours. And sometimes God's a redeemer because her appendix is, is fine. She's healing up, but she's still struggling with all the other stuff. And yesterday she was coming down with a migraine. She walked through the room on the way to bed and said, heaven's going to be great. King, Father, Redeemer, so much more. He always has something for us that we should put our trust in. Always. That's the first thing. When we're trusting God, we make so much better decisions about our own safety. Here's another thing, and that is we should figure out whether we're motivated by love. Now, a lot of you have uh, seen in workplace, some of you probably work in a, in a setting where there's a big sign on the wall or when you come in for work for the day that says safety first 
or safety is job one, or, or something like that. And I get that, you know, an industrial setting, uh, a, a manufacturing, you know, it could be lots of different places, and I get that because the point is, if we don't do this safely, we won't actually be able to do it at all. You know, that'll be the end. And so that makes a lot of sense to me, that you have to, to do that first, and it's productive in lots of environments. But I just have to say now, breathe here, but... That's not the mission of the church. And at Gateway, safety is not job one. Jesus never said, I will build my safe church and it's safety at all costs at all times. <laughs> that's, that's not what he said. In fact, we already said sometimes it's going to be about taking up your cross. <laughs> Doesn't sound safe to me. It's not. Ultimately, it's better right? But it might not be safe. Safety is not Gateway's mission. What is our mission? Well, we can go to lots of different places, and, and you might predict this one, the Great Commission. Therefore, Jesus said, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. This is, the, this is job one at Gateway. Make disciples Help people learn what I taught so they can begin to live life the way I designed life, Jesus says. And what was his commandment? Well, let's use his own words. He says, this is my commandment. Love each other in the same way I have loved you. There's no greater love than to lay down one's life for one's friends. See, there it is again. It's about love. It's about making disciples who love, and who, who are willing to even risk for themselves for the good of others, that they would deeply love them. And what does love look like? Well, sometimes it looks like 1 Corinthians thirteen seven. Love always protects. Love thinks about safety. Love wants people to be safe, and it becomes a means of loving others. And so now some of you may be thinking, oh, man, you had me worried there, Pastor Bill. I thought you were saying that we were not going to think about safety at all, that we didn't care. And here's my point, and that is, while safety isn't our our job, it is a means uh, of expressing what we're about. It's a means of expressing our goal of love. And so that's why we think about it carefully. But there's a huge difference between a goal and a method of expressing that goal. Let me illustrate that. And some of you might think, well, what's the difference? If we're going to get to it anyway, which is all I cared about, then we just need to, you know, make people safe, and that's all I need to know. But you see, they're so different. Love comes before safety. Safety is just a way of expressing love. Let me give you, give you this example. Now, one of the, I mentioned parenting. I tell you, by the time you're done parenting, you should get whatever pay that a, that a risk management officer earns, you know, right? Because that's what you're doing all the time. I remember one of the worst, well, I shouldn't say worst, one of the hardest, one of the most difficult was, uh, you think it's hard when, when they're preschoolers and stuff, and then you get teenagers, and then you get posed things like this. Hey, can I go with so-and-so? They just got their license. <laughs> uh, now, how do you figure that out, right? What do you do with that one, parents? 
Now, let me suggest two scenarios. In one scenario, uh, so I'm a parent, and safety is my goal. It's my absolute virtue, and that's what I'm about. God gave me a child, and he said, make sure he's still alive when he's 18 or 21, whichever, every way you work your house. Send him out on the street, and you're done. <laughs> and safety is everything, right? Well, then, it's, to me, quite... I'm really sorry, guys, but the answer is just cut and dried. It's so obvious. No, you're not riding with your friend. I don't care who they are. You would be out of your mind to ever let a teenager ride in a car with another teenager. If safety is your value, don't you be doing that. That's stupid. I mean, just look at the numbers, right? In fact, I'm not sure why we give cars to teenagers. I'm really sorry. That's if safety is your value, okay? And so, get this. Now, here's what it looks like in all seriousness at home. No, you can't go. How loud do I have to say it? How harsh do, do you need to go to your room? Do I need to ground you? What do I need to do to convince you this is not happening? You are not going somewhere with Chris Pruitt. I'll just use him. You know, I don't care. <clears throat> right? it's, it's easy. But let's say your, your goal is love. And safety would be a way of expressing love. Well, now you're concerned about all kinds of things. You're concerned about physical safety. You're concerned about relational safety and health. You're concerned about your relationship with the child you're talking to. You're concerned about your child's friend. You want to express love to them, Right? And you realize that you might have to think about uh, res- teaching responsibility and measuring growth and actually evaluating things. That you might want to get to know a friend and you might have to spend time with them and you might want to build trust and influence and you might want to affirm friendship and you might want to do all this work. <laughs> and that's why sometimes we just like, nope. Right now, I'm busy, and in my mind, I'll just go safety first. The answer is no, because love is a lot of work. <laughs> so, the, the parent motivated, their, their main goal is love. D- does their kid ride with another student? I don't know. It's not yes. It's not no. It's a lot of hard work. <laughs> now, maybe that didn't convince you, and you're like, oh, I don't want to do hard work, but... It's a, you will end up, whether it's yes or no, it'll be a better decision. That's my point. What decisions are you facing? Maybe you need to back up a little bit on and think, all right, am I really motivated by love here? Do I really have Jesus' vision of relationship and the network of, uh, of issues and concerns in life in, put together in a way that I'll really do the best with all of these things? That's, I think, what he would call us to. Now, here at at Gateway, just to alleviate a little more of that fear that I induced by saying safety's not our job, we actually, about a year ago, formed a safety committee. And some of you know that, and uh, there are six people on that, and I'm not going to make them stand or embarrass them or anything, but that's Mike Guthrie, Susan Mazak, Rick Bineski, Jim Stay, Bart Fowler, and Daniel Brooks. So they've been working for about a year, and I meet with them kind of as a staff representative. 
And uh, so this kind of weird, we've been thinking about this for a long time. When is there ever a time that you could talk about this stuff? But um, I want to just take a little time out and do that now. For a year now, they've been working on some really cool things. And uh, here's the deal. When you, when you get a committee and you get a lot of people and you think about one issue, you think about safety a lot, it's real easy to start getting a little tense. Because, <laughs> you know, you're just thinking about, wow, stuff, life is so complicated. I mean, this building is complicated. The fact that you could come in here tonight is actually pretty complicated. And that you're all here, and then that you would be safe no matter what happens around here. is a very complicated thing. So anyway, uh, we have to be careful and always think, you know, wait a minute, this is because we love you. So this is, this committee's trying to do that. Now, uh, they've looked at a lot of different things, and I just want to mention a few to give you an example. One is they've spent a lot of time this year focused on our, on our high school camp, uh, ETV, because the kids go away, and high schoolers love to play hard, and they love to, you know, take it to the edge. And so just enormous amounts of time and attention and thought and detail has gone into creating safety plans with procedures and checks and all this. It's staggering when you look at this. It's pages on pages of plans for a high school camp. It's really cool with how thoughtful it is. And you know what it's, hopefully, if we do this right, this is what it's about. We love high schoolers. We love high schoolers. That's what it's about. Because no safety plan will guarantee that there's never any bad news. But I keep reading this stuff, and we're having to go over it, and it's just like, there's so much stuff here to have 150, 200 high schoolers out in the desert for a week and keep track of them and all this stuff, and I'm just, like, tired reading it. But I, I, do, I do look at it and think, you know what? I'm not going to ETV, but I'm pretty sure I'd be safer there than driving around Portland here. But anyway, so that's one thing that was done. A couple other things. Someone... Uh, and I don't even know who it is, but someone uh, loved you so much that they donated this to Gateway. So this is an AED. And uh, so basically, um, this gets an ambulance to you faster than it even actually gets here to you. So anyway, this is a defibrillator, and uh, it's got batteries, (laughs) believe it or not. D-cells, get your heart started again. So anyway, someone donated this, and the safety committee's put a lot of attention into uh, training people, creating plans, and how are we going to handle this, and who will handle it. So if you're having chest pains, get Pastor Ken, let him know you need to be hooked up. I'm teasing, but but you see, it's because we love you, and we love the idea that you're safer just sitting in worship now than you were a year ago. See, because hopefully nobody has an issue with their heart, but if you do, it's so cool to have that here. Here's something else. We paid a lot of attention to kids, and uh, some of you already know what this is. But uh, we're thinking a lot. Now, the, the chance that this would ever happen is really, really small, but if we all had to leave the building, like, right now, um, we're thinking a lot about our kids. So this is actually an evacuation rope. And so what you do is you take toddlers and you tell them, grab the orange handle, grab the black handle, and you line them all up, and someone leads them out based on our safety plan. So this is uh, an evacuation rope for our youngest kids. Now, I will mention uh, a couple things. We're still working on that, and maybe you'll hear more about that. But a couple things about the Children's Center. One is, 
if we had to leave the building right now, please get out. I know everything in you will want to go to where your kids are, but here's our plan, just to let you know. Our plan is they'll be out before you could get there. So just get out so they still have a parent, (laughs) right? And uh, our kids would go out the back and over into the northwest parking lot. So if you just go out the main doors and look over to the right, that's the northwest parking lot. It's got fences on three sides. We can push kids to the back and keep them there and keep them safe and that kind of stuff. So that's what that is. So, you know, it's technical, it's dry in one sense, but it's really cool if you realize we love your kids, right? So that's what that's about. All right, are you motivated by love? And then the last thing. Now, am I thinking about thinking like a steward? There it is. Am I thinking like a steward? Good safety decisions, sometimes they involve material things. And the question is, are you thinking like a steward? Because those decisions will be best made when you're thinking in terms of stewardship. Now, we don't have time, and we don't really even need to go through all of it. Here's the, here's the, the first lesson of stewardship. It's all God's anyways. Psalm 24.1. That's, that's really about 80% of what you need to know about being a good steward. It all belongs to God. The earth is the Lord's and everything in it, the world and all who live in it. Your life, your house, your family, your job, your abilities, your vacation, your stuff, your cars, your retirement, your children, your grandchildren belong to God. They're all His. That's lesson number one. And then once we grab onto that, what we find ourselves in is a place where we have to show some balance, somewhere between two mistakes, right? Because out, out at the ends, out at the extremes, are two mistakes. One mistake, one mistake is being wasteful, and the other is hoarding stuff and keeping it like it wasn't really God's. No, actually, I think it's mine, <laughs> Right? So here's the the first one, Proverbs 21. Be sensible. Store up precious treasures. Don't waste them like a fool. That's pretty clear. We wouldn't want to waste something. And here's the other one. Remember, uh, don't hold on to to stuff and hoard it. Remember that Jesus said that when he comes back, it'll be a little bit like, and then he told this story about how someone gave someone uh, five talents, another person three talents, and one person one talent, and the the, the first two brought back more, but the guy who had one said the man who had received one bag of gold came. Master, he said, I know that you are a hard man, harvesting where you've not sown and gathering where you've not scattered seed. So I was afraid and went out and hid your gold in the ground. See, here's what belongs to you. And his master replied, Ooh, ouch. <laughs> you wicked, lazy servant. See, He might have even been thinking safety, right? I'll bury it in the ground. There's no way it'll be lost. I'll be the only one who knows where it is. And when he comes back, he'll get it just the way he gave it to me. A little dirt, but other than that, you know, we're good to go. And what a judgment against him. Wow. You just held it? You did nothing? See, and these are the extremes we need to avoid. Now, at Gateway, you know, in, in years past and, and finances are so tight and kind of lean and just every, every kind of choice you make that had a, a dollar attached to it, you're like, oh, let's not do that. You know, you're just trying not to waste 
a single dollar. And now there's a, there's a little bit of money in the bank. And it's funny how some things change and some things don't because you're like, wow, you know, it was true before, but like every one of those is God's dollars. I mean, people gave that realizing, well, that's already God's, so I'm giving it back to him, you know? And you're like, man, I don't want to waste a single one of those. That thing is precious because you've had this other experience, you know? Uh, not, not dollars are precious, but the, all the stuff connected to it is, and you just don't want to waste it. And so you're, you have hard decisions either way. On the other hand, uh, you know, you, you, you do have to leverage what God gives you. Uh, a few weeks back, might have been a couple months now, we had a visit. It was just a, a visit from, a, it was actually the, the risk management officer for our insurance company. And he wanted to come just see what we were doing and check out our building and that kind of stuff. So I was touring around with him. And because I was in safety committee, I'm like trying to ask him. He's asking us what we do and, you know, trying to assess things. And I'm like, hey, we're, we're thinking about this and we're working on this. You got any ideas? And he kept giving me this answer over and over and over again. At least three or four times he said, well, you, you want to think about that, but um, we, don't, we don't limit that. We don't want to tell you what you do because we don't want to limit ministry. See, that blew me away. This is someone who came in to check things out, who is in his company, you know, they're financially online if we do something stupid, right? (laughs) And he's like, well, think about it. Have some standards, but then we're not going to tell you what to do and what not to do, because we don't want it. This is a Christian company. They they insure churches. (laughs) It's like, we don't want to stand in the way of ministry. Like, that is awesome. That is awesome. That is like comes directly from Jesus. Like, be smart. Don't throw something away. Don't waste it. But leverage it. Use it. Do ministry. Get out there. Love people. Pick up your cross. And risk to love others into God's kingdom. See, you don't want to waste your life, but you also want to be absolutely confident that it's worth, it's worth sacrificing anything for the person who sacrificed everything for you. Are you thinking like a steward? Well, we are going to uh, finish up tonight. I'm looking for Pastor Ken. No, Okay. So we're going to finish up tonight with uh, communion, and so you guys uh, can come on and uh, start serving that. And then we're going to sing together and go on our way. If you are, uh, if you're really kind of hungry tonight for a, a sense of safety, a sense of peace, a sense of security in your life, Wow, trust, trusting God is the way to get it. And I love this passage in Romans chapter 8. Of course, it's after verse 28 where it says that God does these amazing, the amazing work of an orchestra leader. He's fashioning things together that are confusing to us and he's working them together for our good. And he, he asked this kind of rhetorical question. He said, if God is for us, who could be against us?
Yeah, think about this. This is a little math equation, if you will. Okay? Really big God is for you. Everything else is smaller. Who could be against us? And furthermore, he says that God did not spare his own son, but he gave him up for us all. He already paid this ultimate price. How will he not also, along with Jesus, give us all things, give us everything that we need, that we truly need? And he goes on, you know, it's at the end of the chapter to talk about is, so is there anything? Can you think, anybody's like, can you think of anything at all that could come between you and God's love for you? No. Nothing could. Because we're talking about God. Because he's already invested the great price at the cross. Is he going to hold back some smaller thing that might be necessary for you? Certainly not. So if you long for a sense of security tonight or some peace, I would just suggest you look in your hands. We offer tonight you the opportunity to see it and touch it and and taste what God has provided so that you could walk out tonight in peace. If you have a a trust relationship with the Lord Jesus, we encourage you to uh, eat and drink with us tonight. I want to give you just a moment to spend time with the Lord. Would you do as we kind of sang earlier? Would you put the things that have troubled you this week before your Savior and hear Him come back with His words of His investment into your life? Just enjoy a moment with your Lord right now. Father, thank you. It, it, uh, it really was enough that your son went to the cross, but uh, we find that really your, your grace never ends. We just keep coming back, and, and we need you to uh, encourage us and build us up again, and so we thank you for the Lord's Supper, where we come and we are reminded that you're willing to do anything for us. And here we hold symbols of the the body of your, the broken body of your son and, and the cup, the symbol of his blood from dying on a cross. Sorrowful things, but such encouraging things because we see in this your nature and your commitment to us 
that you absolutely care about our safety. In fact, so much that you are in the midst of implementing a plan to secure it forever. And that we will one day walk in the full expression of that and experience it to its utmost. In the meantime, you ask us to trust you. And so, Father, we ask that uh, these symbols tonight would build up and strengthen our faith to trust you for all that you've done for us. In Jesus' name, amen. Enjoy. Jesus wanted you to have this. said, this was my body broken for you. He said, this cup is an agreement between us, an agreement of love, my blood shed for you. Drink in remembrance of the Lord Jesus. And it is God's love that caused him to do that. Would you stand? We're going to sing about that before we go out tonight. Sing like you believe it.